Hey. Hi. Welcome to the Poly Podcast, everybody. Episode one. (laughs) After several recordings. After all this time. (laughs) Oh my gosh, honestly. After dealing with all the technical difficulties, we're finally here. And hopefully there's no echo. After dealing with all the emotional issues, we're also here. (laughs) Literally, literally. Um, Anyway, so the Poly Podcast, this is where we're going to try and uh, answer all questions, non-monogamy, sexuality and relationships... Uh, attachment styles, all that fun stuff. Yeah, we're not uh, therapists by any stretch of the imagination or doctors, but we have opened our relationship from being monogamous to non-monogamous. So we can talk on that. We're part of a blended family. Um, I live in, I'm from Australia, but I live in the UK. So, you know, I'm from the other side of the world and living away from family. And um, we met during a pandemic. So there's just so much that we can talk on from an anecdotal and personal. There's so much to unravel. Yeah, experience. It's going to be great. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> Including our emotions. Yeah. I joke. Well, uh, on us, we should probably like just give people a little bit of background. Just info, a quick I bio. Guess. Just yeah. a quick one. Just yeah. quick bio. So I'm rich, as aforementioned. I think I'm, did I, I don't think I have mentioned that yet. I'm rich. And this is Siobhan. Hi, I'm Siobhan. We are two halves of a polyamorous couple, although half probably isn't the We're right We're two holes of a polyamorous couple. We're two couple. holes of a polyamorous couple. Yeah. Um, I, we both live in London together. We've been together for two and a half years. We were monogamous for one of those years and uh, non-monogamous for the remainder. <laughs> of that. <laughs> yes, of that. Um, we're both queers. I think that's important to mention because we will be discussing lots of stuff about sexuality. And so our perspective is going to be a queer one. Um, which I think anyone, everyone can learn from. Um, same with the poly stuff, I think. It's not going to be... This isn't a podcast exclusively for non-monogamous people. I would love to have as many monogamous listeners as we have non-monogamous listeners. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree more. I mean, I've been monogamous my entire life in all my relationships until I met you and then we were monogamous and then we opened our relationship. So I think there's so many things that you can learn from a polyamorous experience, just like how polyamorous people have learned a lot from monogamous experiences. So I really think it's a two-way street in that respect. It goes both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Siobhan, you're up. Yeah. So uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am from Sydney, Australia, moved to London three years ago quite literally just before the pandemic, the first lockdown. Um, So that was a bit of a wild moment. I don't think anyone was expecting that. I certainly wasn't. Um, I'm a journalist and writer by trade. And as mentioned, we live together in our one-bedroom London apartment. And um, yeah, I think you just want to make this really clear that yes, we are both part of the queer community, but we are also white people. And we know that we're really lucky to be able to be speaking on this issue so openly and so publicly. And we just want to make that clear that that is not a luxury that people of the queer community or the non-monogamous community have have that, don't have that luxury. And so we just want to acknowledge that we, we are in a position of privilege in that respect. Uh, and we hope that you enjoy what we're going to talk about. Yeah. It is a bit nerve-wracking putting part of yourself out in the world, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, and this is still kind of semi-fresh for us in a way. Like, even though it's been a year, a year and a half, really, it still feels it feels both part of the furniture of our relationship, but also that it's quite new furniture, you know, totally. <laughs> to use a slightly clunky analogy. Yeah, so I guess we've both got 
some kind of hopes and um, intentions, don't we, behind what the podcast is, what we want to do with it. And I guess one of those big things is um, when we were sort of opening our relationship up, we kind of noticed, I mean, there's some great, there are some great resources out there. So there's, there's plenty of quality, uh, you know, tools that can be utilized, but they're short in supply, I think is a fair fair comment what do you think yeah I agree I think that we certainly uh, when we opened our relationship we really really had to look for things to work out how to describe what was going on we were searching for vocabulary so that we could describe our feelings to each other as well as to other people in our lives and there are some brilliant resources out there that really saved our like saved us I would say uh, in that respect but you know we would we just want to contribute to that and create a resource for other people who maybe are non-monogamous and like just want to listen to a dating podcast about non-monogamy. Maybe you're trying to discuss opening a relationship with your partner and you don't know where to start. Maybe you're on a journey working out what your orientation is and you think you're more wired for polyamory. Whatever your reason for listening, we just want to add to the discussion and um, normalise this relationship style more. Yeah, and, and I think validate it to, to an extent because... Mm. So many people may be feeling a certain way and just think that they're being selfish or they're, you know, or maybe that it's not a valid um, orientation or a valid kind of way of doing relationships because it's, it's, I guess there's a lot of shame around it. It's kind of, there's this uh, kind of conflation with being a cheater or whatever, which as we'll discuss, isn't, isn't, it's not, it's not really related to, in the way that you think it is you know 100 percent. so we'll we'll definitely delve into that a little bit more and, and i think yeah we just kind of want to be part of the side of things that is helping uh, people become their fuller selves and and support them in that ra- rather than you know stigmatizing it i guess absolutely i feel, feel like we have a lived experience and we want to talk about that just to add to the conversation you know change is slow but the more people that discuss this sort of thing uh and make it more normal and more normalized yeah. then it'll be less of a crazy thing when you say to someone oh, i'm in an open relationship people go oh yeah. yeah i know what that is yeah it'll just be like oh cool cool <laughs> we want to talk about it we want to share our journey and our story our credentials so to speak <laughs> so that yeah, you know where we've come from before we start talking about other stuff yeah. in this space. Because to reiterate, we are not, you know, psychotherapists or anything like that. We're just talking about our experience. And um, and there are many different poly experiences, just like there are many different queer experiences. So, but we can talk about ours. And, and I guess hopefully some people out there will will kind of find parallels with their own experiences if if you are listening as a as a non-monogamous person so i mean it all started with you so i think you should take it away it did um yeah so i mean it i think it did start with me internally but you kind of also had um you you kind of sensed something was was different or or missing Mm, i did um i think the term you used at the time was um that you felt like you knew me except for one this one piece that was kind of missing. Absolutely. And I think I had never been in a relationship as healthy as the one that I have with you. I never lived with someone. You were the first partner I lived with. 
you were the first partner that has a child uh, that I've been with. So there was a lot of things that were different that I didn't necessarily um, couldn't, couldn't draw parallels from previous experiences. So I thought, well, I feel like we're still getting to the deepest level, getting to know each other the best. And I did feel like there was something missing. Yeah, and so did I. Um, I felt like there was something missing too. And um, but because of like the stigma attached to uh, non-monogamy and, um, and I guess my lack of vocabulary or, or the lack of validation in that kind of way of doing relationships, I... I wasn't really, I didn't know what it was, you know, there was this, all of that was missing. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I, as time went on, I kind of had discussions with friends, um, which really helped validate it. And we were discussing their experiences of non-monogamy and made me realize that, you know, this is actually a perfectly valid way of doing relationships. So, when I did come to you eventually, I mean, you'd already kind of been listening to podcasts, funnily <laughs> enough, hadn't yeah. you? That, yeah. um, that discussed uh, mainly infidelity and relationships and things like that. Um, this is Esther Perel's podcast, um, which I don't know, you may, maybe you want yeah, to talk it's, about it's, what it was about a little bit more. It was um, basically, it's a podcast where she does 45 minute one off counseling sessions with with people and with normally with couples and they talk about whether there's been infidelity or some other major rupture in the relationship. And essentially you start off and you think, oh my goodness, this couple's never going to recover. This terrible mm. thing has happened. But then you realise by the end of the 45 minutes that there's reasons why people have done these certain things and their relationships maybe weren't nourishing them or yeah, there was problems that needed to be addressed. And it just really highlighted for me the complexity of cheating and that infidelity is probably not the worst thing you can do in a relationship, even though that's what we're taught to believe in society. And that usually there is some kind of deep seated reason for why someone is le- is, you know, led to behave that way. Obviously not always, but yeah. in this case, in those cases on the podcast, yeah, we're not defending uh, the <laughs> deceit and infidelity, deceit of- <laughs> obviously, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but yeah, it was just a really interesting podcast for me to listen to. And there was a lot of non-monogamy on there too. And I came to you and I sort of wanted to talk about it. I yeah, thought it I was, was really say, interesting. We had a discussion about it, and uh, and I think ultimately the thing I remember is is at the end of the discussion. You sort of said, oh, "Open relationship wouldn't be for me," you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and I and I replied, and this was an honest reply at the time, or at least I thought it was an honest reply. It was honest within what I kind of my understanding of myself at the time. Yeah, was I was like. Yeah, you know, I've thought about it, but yeah, I don't think it's for me to fast forward a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of, because um, I wasn't going to say anything because it's Christmas, it was Christmas time and your family were kind of coming, were supposed to be coming over. And um, I didn't want to ruin those plans. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I, I, yeah, I just didn't want to screw that up. And uh, I was holding it in, which, uh, you know, just not a good idea guys not a good but idea but the day you told me it did feel like it had bubbled to the surface and yeah, you needed to talk about it big time and after kind of a long discussion it came out that yeah. you were polyamorous yeah by orientation and i think that's something we really want to address straight away but we will address throughout the podcast yeah is that of course polyamory Can and open relationships are a choice for some people yeah. but for a lot of people they're also an orientation that is fixed, that isn't a choice, that is the way that they are wired. 
uh, orientation, relationship orientation is a spectrum, just yeah. like everything else. And there's another example of how our dynamic is quite interesting is that for you, you're kind of on the choice end of that spectrum. Mm. I'm very much over on the orientation side of that spectrum. So we, we can approach those things in slightly from slightly different perspectives. Um, which, oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I for think... me, I've been in open relationships now with you, which is my very first, my first turn. And <laughs> I've also been in monogamous relationships most of my life. And I've had great experiences in both. I've been happy in both. And I've said this to you many times before if our relationship wasn't to work out in the future I don't know whether I would stay polyamorous or whether I'd be monogamous I think it would really depend on the person that I met and what the dynamic and the vibe felt like like for us for example being in an open relationship really felt like made sense in our relationship made sense with our mm-hmm. connection and, and our and our energy it yeah. just works actually strengthened our connection I think didn't it really absolutely and um yeah, so, but I guess the step after kind of, you know, after that initial discussion was figuring out how does this work? Like, how do, how this shift in dynamic, how, what, what, what's next? You know, it is very much alien territory for most people. Yeah, and it was for us too, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we read a book by uh, Jessica Fern. It's called Polysecure. Mm-hmm. And, we read that out loud, chapter by chapter, to Literally each other. Recited it, yeah, to in, one another. To one another in the first uh, few weeks yeah. of, of which is this. something I've never done before. I've never kind of <laughs> not since I was a child have I read a book <laughs> with someone else out loud. But it was so therapeutic. It was just the best thing we could have done. And I mean, shout out to to, to Jessica Fern for writing that book because I mean, I I wouldn't say it saved us, but it certainly helped us move forward Absolutely. i think you know without that resource and it gave us the vocab to talk about it so there were sentences and things in there that described you and you could point to that and say yes. that's me and i could point to other things and say this is me and it yeah. helped us talk to each other yeah. and communicate in a way that without the, with words that we had never really learned about or didn't know about those things before. Yeah. So that was a really powerful experience, I think, for both of us. Big time. But then, of course, I did have an emergency trip back home to Australia because yeah. I needed to work <laughs> out how I was going to fit in this new element of you. I mean, you opened yourself up to me and shared this new fact and this new piece of information about yourself to me. And, of course, it's quite confronting because I knew that to celebrate that new part of you – I needed to let you have relationships with other people and let you have sexual relationships with other people as well. Mm -hmm. And that was something really challenging. So I had to take some space, go away and work out, is this not for me or is this a mindset shift? Is this something that I need to work out for myself Mm -hmm. um, that I can get my head around and learn to understand? It was certainly the latter. I'm still here. I was going to say, what was your decision? <laughs> Still deciding. I haven't decided yet. I think critically what was really important for me was I knew that very early on, I knew that you were telling me something that was a fact about yourself that could have ended our relationship. And that feel, I can't imagine how that would have felt. Having to go to your partner who you live with, who's a stepmom to your kid, who you've introduced to your family, who you've started to build a life with that you're really excited about and to put that all on the line, so to speak, but for no fault of your own. It's a fact about you. 
Yeah. And that's really scary. Yeah. And I remember feeling quite sympathetic towards that. Mm. But of course, it oscillated between feeling sympathy, sympathy for you and intense pain and confusion on my behalf. I've, I've had to deal with some, some really uh, difficult shit in my life, but <laughs> I can honestly put it up there, like having to have that discussion and being the one to have to instigate it, you know, is probably up there with, with one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And, and I, part of the reason for that is because it's, because it isn't normalized and it isn't granted, even if it is normalized, it's still gonna be a difficult discussion. The fear of being labeled a cheater or, or, um, or, or like overtly selfish is something that I, I don't think should necessarily be a part of that discussion. That, I think that's the power of normalization. I think it removes that. So yeah, it's really important too. And and if, if, if this tool, if this resource kind of helps make that whole process easier, then I think we've done a good job. I agree completely. And mm. I think having both sides of the story like from our perspectives, I mean, I had to undergo a huge amount of growth and yeah. we, I'll talk about it for days. I think we both did to be fair, but, but yeah, yeah. A huge amount of growth and, you know, it, it was a really challenging time period, but we, we got, we got through it in the end and here we are. Yeah. And I think for me, something that was really important at the time was not putting pressure on myself to quote unquote, make a decision. Yeah. I wasn't like, because the thing is, I think after having listened to Esther Perel and her podcast and having done a lot of other, you know, just reading out of my own interest on relationships and research regarding them, it's very much, I realized very quickly that relationships aren't black and white. There's no, like, it's not cheating is bad. This is good. Or people can look at things that you might have. Oh, you've got the partner, you've got the house, you've got the kids, the nice car. Your life must be amazing. You don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. Mm. Relationships are not black and white. And I yeah. learned that really quickly with, without a situation. And so I didn't look at the facts and go, that's bad. He wants to sleep with other people. End of relationship. I mm. didn't put pressure on myself to make a rash decision. I sat with it. I wanted to see what would happen and what would this look like? Yeah. Because I wanted to be in our relationship at the end of the day and here we are the yeah. decision did come to me and, and i'm still here <laughs> and, th and this and this ties in with one of the big the big kind of tenets of uh, ethical non-monogamy i think is mm. the expectations that we kind of set one another in, in relationships like you have to kind of be everyone someone's everything all of the time and that's just not that is not a, I mean, this is our perspective, obviously, but it, I don't think it's a healthy thing to kind of mm. need that. I mean, we, we obviously have a slightly hierarchical uh, thing where we are each other's primary partners. We put each other first um, ahead of other partners, but, but it doesn't mean that we expect everything from each other. You know, we can gain things from other people, I guess, is, is what I mean, and give those people in turn things that they might need. And 100%. that's what's so great about it. That's what, one of the beautiful things about non-monogamy and relationships in general and a lot of people said to me when we were first opening up and I was explaining to people what had happened and basically they said oh well why can't Rich just have like he doesn't have to rely on everything for you he's just gonna make new friends why does he need to have sex with these people why does he need to date these people and that I mean yeah it, the, it was, it's a valid question like why and I would just come back to 
well, this is an orientation thing. This is one people who are monogamous and are happy in monogamous relationships and get all of their emotional support and love and care from their partner and their friends and their family and have that strong circle. That's extremely healthy. That's great. It's just that our situation is different because it's a spectrum and yeah. it's an orientation. So trying to explain that was challenging. I think I've got the vocabulary a little bit better now, but it's just like, it's an, it's an additional thing. It's an additional network of support essentially is how I think we've come to look at it. Yeah. And I also think that um, the way in which some people connect with other people, for some people in, a, in platonic ways, it, it feels fulfilling to them. And that's, and that's fine. But for other people, the sort of more romantic connections and the kind of more that the connections on that, you know, slightly higher level, I guess. I mean, I don't know if higher is the right word, but for lack of a better term, like I think some people need that a little bit more. They kind of want to explore themselves through r- other romantic relationships. So, and, there, and therein lies kind of a difference. And it's, it's not something that you can really explain because it's something that people feel, you know, in the same mm. way. You can't really explain why you're attracted to the same sex or the opposite sex. You, you just know, right? Yeah. It comes down to that question, <laughs> yeah. like, how do, you, how do they know that they're, it's like, how do you know that you're straight? <laughs> how 100%. do you know that you're monogamous? Like, it's, it's, it works in a, in a kind of similar way for people who are orientated that way, I would say. Mm. But I mean, another thing that, it's interesting that you experienced is, and this is like another question that comes up, is um, the kind of, oh, are you sure? Are you sure you can do this? Like, are you sure that you can be, do the, the, do the non-monogamy thing? Because I know someone that did it and it went completely <laughs> wrong. And of course, it's really funny because you can kind <laughs> of invert that and say, well, guess what? I know lots of people that do monogamy. And let me tell you, most of the time... <laughs> It doesn't always end messily, but it certainly yeah. ends, right? Like it's oh like I love gosh. that. I can't remember what it's from, but there's like there's a quote from a movie where it's like, "Have you ever been in a relationship that didn't end?" Yeah, and it's like, well, obviously not, right? Apart from the one that maybe you're in, but every yeah. other relationship before it, it ended. So, oh, it's so true. It's the same thing. Like you can you can turn that on. Why? So why is committing to only one person forever treated not treated? rather like this huge thing that it kind of is like like just picking one thing forever for the rest of like imagine life. doing that with food or doing that with a song or doing that with a movie <laughs> right obviously it's di- a little bit different but yeah. it, but it's still i think it's still kind of a fair point i mean you you're the person that got asked this a lot a and lot. Kind of, i didn't really get asked it that much but you certainly did so like what yeah what's your response i, mean, I guess is what I'm it's wondering. funny because people are extremely risk averse when it comes to ethical non-monogamy and I mean it's not that they shouldn't be brilliant good on you like look after your friends ask questions my friends certainly did they were fantastic they looked after me so well they were in my corner the whole way and they still are yeah of course and all these questions obviously are coming from like a place of care and love so like yes absolutely I'm not not poo-pooing anyone that would do that no yeah yeah, it's um certainly very much a they wanted to look after me and be there for me and they're really risk averse and that's fantastic. Let's sit down. What could possibly go wrong in this? I mean, in one of the other books we read from Susan Wenzel basically has a section on what could go wrong, like the things to be aware of. And that was really helpful and kind of anxiety inducing when it was early on for us. But if there was a book about the things that could go wrong in monogamy, do you think people would just be so chill about 
oh, you've got a new monogamous partner or are you sure you can commit to that? Yeah. It's just a really interesting, dif- it's a different sort of, it's a dichotomy. It's a really interesting dichotomy there. Yeah, big time. Where people have are extremely risk averse. But if I read a book, if I was like, before I met my first boyfriend when I was 16, if my mum walked in and gave me a book that was like, here's all the things that can go wrong in monogamy, I probably wouldn't have started dating him. Yeah. It's interesting, <laughs> like, isn't it? Yeah. You know? How, how, like, I guess like monogamy is just, it's, it's, it is the, the, the norm. The default. The default, the status quo. And so, and everything we actually see is just these romanticized uh, ideas about monogamy. It's not. It's like you know, in every movie, it's all like romantic love, and oh, they're so happy, and you know, it always ends up great in the end. It's like, well, no, it doesn't. And so, um, that I guess that's why people are kind of so. Uh, happy to commit to one person because they see it as this. And I think also, you know, there is the trope of the love triangle and the idea of bringing in extra people Mm. or person, depending on whatever you're into, live your truth, is the quote unquote, as we mentioned earlier, worst thing you could possibly ever do in any relationship. It's the worst thing you could do. Introduce somebody else. What? Yeah. People are inherently scared of that. We've been taught to be from yeah. birth, pretty much. And I think we should probably clarify that, like, like most poly relationships or most non-monogamous relationships, they aren't love triangles. It's not like everyone is in bed with each other, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, most of the time it's, you know, we have our relationship. Um, Siobhan might have a relationship with someone else that I'm not involved with and I might have relationships with other people that she's not involved with like that i mean that's been us so far Mm -hmm. like we don't you know not everything is not everything is orgies and sex parties and banging everything that moves you know and you know what for some people it is and i reckon they have the time of their lives power to them absolutely um but there's as we say it's a spectrum there's so many different ways this can look like uh and just to finish this thought before we get into our brilliant game slash finisher i just want to say this is not a I hate monogamy podcast. This is a human relationships are beautiful and diverse and interesting. And let's talk about them in yeah. all of their forms podcast. Big time. If you're a monogamous, guess what? So was I for most of my life. And guess what? I come from a long line of monogamous marriages. Both of my grandparents were married for over 60 years. My parents have been married for 35 years. My sister, who's younger than me, has also been in a monogamous relationship for five and a half years. So I've been monogamous. A lot of people, or pretty much everyone I know is monogamous, and I love them and care about them. Everyone I know is monogamous except for us, my, us and and my E&M partners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. In fact, even some of them have been technically monogamous, but they were single at the time and they were cool with it, right? Yeah. So not, it's not even, you know, it, once again, there's another layer added that it's not always as simple as only, you know, non-monogamous people date non-monogamous people. Like sometimes they are just all. chill with the idea and they're, they're happy with something chill uh, casual and whatever you know? i mean look at you starting to date me a secretly polyamorous person dating a monogamous person look out well i mean <laughs> i'm not sure that's the same it's a joke a closeted <laughs> a closeted <laughs> poly person if that is a thing oh I guess it is. gosh 
All right. So anyway, shall yeah. we? Uh... Yeah. So every I think every week after we we'll do like a big topic and then we'll kind of um, do a, f- a sort of game or a finisher. But um, a lot of the time that'll be in the form of question of the week. Yeah, question of the week, where we t- sort of try to address a question that we hear a lot. Um, that um, is a fair, you know, fair question, um, and and we feel we have something to offer on and. Yeah, so this week, what should we introduce? It's our version of Mock the Week, isn't it? Mock the Week. Don't you have Mock the Week here? Yeah, we do, but what's that, what's that got to do with... Well, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> the question of the week. <laughs> Mock the Week. Scenes we'd like to see. <laughs> Unexpected things for a non-monogamous person to say in the bedroom. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. We should do that. Can I introduce my girlfriend? <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll explore that idea. We'll explore it later. <laughs> Stay tuned. You never There's know a reason why you brought up Mock the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Not because it's actually relevant to what we're talking about, but because it's another great idea that oh, we can throw Oh, gosh, in. how funny. Maybe okay. we can get Frankie Boyle to come Could on and, and give us some particularly offensive words. I would die. <laughs> No, oh, we'll okay, have none of that. So this is an question... inclusive podcast. We won't be offending anyone, hopefully. <laughs> okay, the question is... What, what if, if they, they find someone they, they like, like better, better than, than you? you. Oh, that wasn't even planned. Well we just done. said it at the same time. I like it. So yeah, someone you find find someone finds out you're in an open relationship and they ask this dazzler of a question. Yeah. What do you say? Well, <laughs> I guess a good starting point would be um would be to say, sorry, are you, are you monogamous? Are you are you a monogamous person asking this question? You you are. You are. Okay. What if your partner finds someone they like better than you? In other words, it's the same. It's the thing. same. Thing. The risk is the same. Yeah, um, I I would even say the risk is slightly less heightened in um, in in non monogamy because you don't have to choose. You don't have that. You know, if you have a crush on someone, or if you want to date someone else, as long as they know what the situation is, hence the ethical part of the ethical non monogamy. Um, as long as they're cool with that. You can go and see that person, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're gonna. I mean, put it this way: finding someone that you, if you're, you know, if your primary, if you have that sort of hierarchical thing, if your primary partner is on the same wavelength as you, finding someone else like that that you love as much as them does not come around the corner every other week. Just doesn't happen. So, mm. in the same way that does in in monogamous relationships, right? So this idea that you're going to find someone else that they like better is kind of just a bit silly. Like it doesn't like it's 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 just as likely in a monogamous monogamous relationship, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. So yeah, it's true, and I think you know, I think there is this question comes from the idea that there is an inherent danger to your relationship if you're introducing somebody else, or if you're allowed to date other people, isn't the likelihood the risk higher because by nature, you're dating other people, so therefore there's more opportunity to date other people, get yeah. to know someone that you like better. Yeah. Like, I can understand where this question comes from yeah. because it's like, well, if we know we can't date anyone, then we're not even looking, so there's less risk. Yeah. And you know what? In some cases, maybe there is. Yeah. But what I think it comes down to is mindset. I was going to say, the I mindset think, is the big thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're in a long monogamous marriage, you're not happy – Things are up and down, you know, and then you meet someone at work or on a night out or at 
your spin class <laughs> and someone... How many cliches can we fit in? You know, yeah, yeah. yoga. Yeah. <laughs> and they... And you're already kind of starting to slowly check out of your relationship and then you meet someone that you might be able to access a more fun side of you or feel revitalized, then you're going to be available to do that. It's the same thing in non-monogamy. If you're not happy, if you're in a primary relationship, you're not happy in one of your primary relation in your primary relationship. And then you're like, oh, I'm kind of, oh, let's see if I can find someone else consciously, subconsciously. You go out and there's something about inside of you that's low-key looking. Mm. It's more likely to happen. I personally, I've dated a couple of people. You've dated a couple of people since we've mm. opened our relationship. Not once have I ever thought that I might want to leave you for them because mm-hmm. I've not entertained it at all in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, another another key element to, to it is if you like someone else when you are monogamous, it's kind of seen as a breach of trust. But in in ENM, it's not, you know? Um it, crushes aren't a secret. You can talk mm, about them, mm. which is, I don't know about you, but I think it kind of brings brings us closer together. I mean, how many times have you and I been at a cafe or, <laughs> or somewhere like oh. where a member of service is, is particularly <laughs> hot to, to both of us? Yeah. And we've both been flirting with them at the same time. And then afterwards we're like, do you think? Do you think? I mean, most most of the time it's a it's a guy. So yes. <laughs> so we've both been like. Do you think he's I think he's my vibe or your vibe? <laughs> Who is he flirting with? Who is he flirting with? back with? You know, and it's that's a lot of fun. I so mean, we fun. used to do that before we opened our relationship. So yeah, I I yeah, often question whether we were truly monogamous anyway. <laughs> but you know, I think that yeah, this is the thing. You don't if you have a crush on someone when you are in a monogamous relationship, there is this inherent pressure that you have to choose. Who am I gonna like more? Yeah. Who am I gonna choose? We don't have to choose, as you said. And in fact, we can have both. If there's someone cute, <laughs> we're just like, oh, that person's cute. Do you reckon they're all flirting with me? Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's one kind of, the of other... fun, I yeah. think. We have a good time doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And and also being queers, we, we, we can, um, we sort of both check out girls or both check out guys. Like it's that, that's kind of a nice um, little, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> a little dynamic thing in there that's kind of cute and I mean we were in a cafe recently and uh, we were sitting down having breakfast and this quite attractive woman comes out of the bathroom we were sitting quite close to the toilet and I was chatting to you and I saw Richard like check this woman out I have no recollection of this This, I'm sorry (laughs) I this it was the slightest eye movement but I was like Wow, I saw that. I, can I just point out how, how I'm subtle? I am oh, you're a not a creep subtle. at Thank all. You. Thank it you. wasn't creepy, but it was more just like <laughs> I noticed it and I stopped and I was saying, and I was like, excuse me, did you just check her out? And Rich is like, yeah, like she's kind of cute. And then like we had a laugh about it and we talked about it and it's not going to inherently change the fabric of our relationship. No. It's kind of something that we have a lot of fun doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that that leads, you know, to well, the final point I kind of want to make on this is that we've always treated dating other people and opening our relationship as an act, a team activity. It's something that we do together. It's something that is included in our lives and what we do, you know? And from day one, when I stayed monogamous for the first six months of our relationship, open relationship, sorry, Rich would go out on dates and I would take myself out on dates and spend money on myself. Like I would, if I was on a date and date myself and get to know myself and, or I'd stay at home and Rich would go out or, and now when one of us is out, the other one stays home and it certainly 
feels like, I always use this analogy, you know, it's like one of us is out doing the field research <laughs> yeah, and the other one's back at the lab, yeah, like doing the theory. And yeah. we get home, we talk about the date and we have rules around what we say and what we don't say. And we'll do a whole episode on rules shortly because yes. that's uh, always a big question that we get asked. And as long as we treat it like a team activity and something that we're doing together, I think it works really well. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's episode one. I think that's what it. Think? In the can. Yeah, I think so. Um, in the can. <laughs> in, uh, in the can. Well, that's, that's like filming, isn't it? In the can. Yeah, I feel it's like they like say that in can. radio too. Well, you know. I mean, I could have been misusing it my whole career. Oh, yeah, so because they still they used to record on tape and put yeah. it in the can. So, yeah, it's in the can. It's in the can. It's in the can. Um, I have, you know, I could have been misusing it my whole life and no one's ever said Siobhan, oh, that's not what we call it. It works. It works. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed it. Yes. Um, please. Just if you... Oh, go. Sorry. You... I'll, I'll do the first, you do the second bit. Sure. Um, please subscribe, rate and review. Share this with a friend if you think they'd like it. Uh, and you can also find us on socials. Yes, on Instagram and Twitter, at Polly underscore podcast. Give us a follow. At Polly <laughs> underscore podcast. <laughs> Give us a follow. You can DM us if you feel like it. And join us next week uh, when, or next time I should say, when we'll be having a discussion about jealousy. Jealousy. The shameful emotion apparently or is it <laughs> or is it we'll find out next time on the poly podcast how's that for a teaser bye bye, bye.